Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Father Michael Kaiser. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Jesus and his group are passing on a very slow journey past Samaria and the Galilee. He doesn't even have a great hurry on this particular one. He enters a certain village and he encounters a group of lepers. Now leprosy in those days was not quite the same as the leprosy that exists today, but it was regarded as a loathsome disease. Uh, body parts fell off, fingers, toes, noses, uh, things you'd rather keep uh, and things that when they came off of you, when you wandered around in your rags and your very gray kind of looking face, tended to be off-putting for some people, much as we might recoil from the homeless living under the bridges on I-20 there. Uh, they smelled, they didn't look nice, and they definitely looked like a group that had been somehow cursed. And they did not realize then that leprosy was not contagious. So you couldn't get it by just touching somebody, but people assumed it did. If you looked bad, you had to be bad, and you would wind up being very bad yourself. So they're segregated. Either they were told to keep away from everyone else, or there was a leper colony near Jerusalem uh, where people with this particular disease could go and, and hang out. Now the odd thing here is that this particular group of lepers who may have been heading towards that colony in Jerusalem, who knows, included one non-Jew. Uh, one of them was a Samaritan. Now, it, it makes clear that they're passing by the border of Samaria going into Galilee. Samaritans at one time had been Jews, but centuries before, they had been enticed by wild pagan women to run up into the hills and mate with them and produce a whole new class of people called Samaritans whom the Jews loathed because, of course, they weren't keeping kosher. Uh, they married with non-Jewish women. They began worshiping some of their gods. And basically, a split formed between the people of Israel and the people of Samaria. The people of Samaria had older traditions, went back to, or rather went back to the older traditions of Israel. The first place of sacrifice was not Jerusalem, but Mount Gerizim. And so they sacrificed on Mount Gerizim in Samaria. They had their temple there. Uh, remember the story of the woman Fotini, the woman of the well, who asked Jesus, you know, our people say, you know, Jerusalem is a place to worship. Those people say uh, Samaria, and he says, it's another one. Get over it. Not the big deal. Why was this Samaritan in there? I mean, the, the split was like Israelis and Palestinians. It was that deep. The Jews had a saying that Samaritan women menstruated from their cradles, which was a way of saying they are always unclean. And according to the Old Testament law, you could not come in touch with anyone who was unclean. If your own Jewish wife was menstruating, you couldn't come there. This was regarded as the ultimate unclean. So what was the Samaritan doing hanging out with these guys? Well, probably the fact that misery loves company, that great tragedy often tends to blot out the silly distinctions of race and gender 
and nationality that we tend to put between people. They probably figured, well, hey guys, he's a Samaritan, he deserves it anyway, so let him join. Whatever, you know, let him come in, he can wander around with us. How much worse could it get? So Jesus comes across them and they recognize him. There is none of this, who's that? Who's the guy with the crowd? You know, you know him? Yeah, yeah. They knew who Jesus was. And you know, we sometimes, I think, get this impression that Jesus wandered from place to place almost incognito. He had an entire carnival with him. He had the 12, he had the faithful women who, you know, made sure they fed, they ate, and because men never remember to cook. So they made food for them and made certain that they, they had sustenance and that sort of thing. They probably helped raise money for them. Men don't raise money. Women go out and raise money. Uh, and all kinds of people who followed him from place to place to place. It was his own happy mom. So they knew who he was, and they approach him and say, Master, have mercy on us. They didn't have to say out for what. You had one look at them and you knew why they needed mercy. And Jesus just says to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. That means at the temple in Jerusalem. He doesn't say, I heal you. He doesn't say, it's okay. He says, go and show yourselves to the priest. Because the only way you could be restored to civil society, if you had had this disease, was to be cleared, cured of it. And the only people who could, clear, sorry, who could declare you cleared of it were the priests at the temple in Jerusalem. So when he said, go show yourselves to the priests, they knew exactly what he had said, and they turned and headed out towards Jerusalem. On the way, they suddenly looked down and realized they had fingers where they hadn't had fingers. And maybe, hey, Joe, you got your nose back. That looks cool. Uh, feet where they hadn't had feet. Their skin cleared. On the way. Yeah, just, Jesus didn't even touch them. Just by his power, he restored them. Not just normal human life, but to normal human society. Once they were declared clean, they could go and do anything they wanted to do. One of them, and you got to know this is going to be the Samaritan, turns around and goes back to Jesus to thank him. The Samaritans are mentioned in the parable of the Good Samaritan, and of course in this parable. And the point is, there weren't supposed to be any Good Samaritans. They were lousy people, they were unclean, they were outside of us, we could not touch them. And yet in the, first, the other parable is the Samaritan who takes care of the Jew, and in this one is the Samaritan who returns to thank Jesus. And Jesus notes that, and he says, only this foreigner, even he recognizes that he's a foreigner, only this foreigner has come to give thanks for God, to God for the miracle that he has received. The others probably went out of the temple, and probably got declared clean. And the Samaritan might have done that. On the other hand, he might not have been allowed in the temple if he had done that. Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. Not his touch, because there was none. Not his anointing, because there was none. Not his, his, his prayer, because there was none, except interiorly in his heart to his father. There was none of the outward things that we normally think of a healing with Jesus. He didn't make spittle and put it on somebody's eyes. A woman didn't come up and touch him from behind, and he felt power go out of him. There was touch there. There was contact. None of that. 
He had simply, by the power of his Father's will, healed. I personally am a charter member of the Mystic Society of the Knights of Eeyore. I assume the worst in any situation. Probably because when I was growing up, my parents constantly told me, you can't do that. But the fact is, I follow Murphy's Law slavishly. If something is going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong. So when you're one of that group, or even a group of normal people, being thankful all the time is a very difficult thing to do. And yet this is precisely the path that God has laid out for Christians to follow. You know, it used to be, you know, I've been a priest 42, 43 years, and back when I was ordained, this was a much more ethnic church. Uh, most of the people were from one place. In fact, everybody in my parish was from one village in Lebanon. And they maintained a lot of old customs. You know, if you, you, you know, are you going to be at church Sunday? Inshallah, God willing. Uh, how are things at home now? Thank God. Always thank God. That was the invariable response people would give you if they were coming out of that culture. How is your cancer doing? Thank God. Yeah. Because they knew that in all things, some of them were illiterate, some of them couldn't read, uh, didn't know the, uh, the scriptures or what have you, but they knew that they had to be thankful to God in all things. We tend to be thankful to God in good things, and even then as sparingly as possible. How much time do you put into offering thanks to God for a blessing received to equivalent the, the petition prayer you put in to receive it? I don't. I'm getting better at it now that I'm an old guy. If I lose my reading glasses and find them, I thank God. If I lose my keys and find them, I thank God. If I lose my wife in the nursing home and track her down, I thank God. No. We have to be thankful in every and all circumstances. Okay, we got another hurricane coming towards us. Thank God. You know, God will provide for us. God will sustain us as long as we exercise normal common sense and don't stand on the beach saying, come to me. Thanksgiving in each and every situation is an absolute requirement. Look what he says here at the end. There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith made thee whole. Our faith combined with God's will and power is what makes us whole. Now, let us say that I go back home and I am diagnosed with, oh, let's say, fourth-stage pancreatic cancer, which usually gives you three to four months, and then you're gone. And so I and my friends throw ourselves to a, a frenzy of prayer and vigil and celebrating mass and asking, you know, offering up you know, all kinds of tithes and what have you. And at the end, they decide that I have been cured. There's no trace of cancer left. I can't just go merrily on my way because I have taken a tremendous responsibility upon myself. I have literally been given a gift of new life. Now what am I going to do with that new life? Continue living the way I had been? Well, that'll send me to hell. My condemnation will be worse than if I'd simply gone ahead and died. My judgment would be worse than if I'd simply gone ahead and died. If I receive this healing, if I receive this gift, 
I must be willing to live to more righteousness, to more purity, to more mercy, towards more compassion, towards more love. Or that gift will not be to, to my salvation. It will be unto my condemnation. This is why we need to give thanks to God in all things, whatever those things are. It's not just a question of smiling silly towards some disaster that is coming towards you. It is recognizing that God exists even within the disaster and that whatever the end of that desire, his will for us will be done. If we don't believe this, we're wasting our time coming here and singing and praying. Give thanks for all things. Doesn't matter if they're tiny. Remember the widow's mite, she swept the entire house before she found it and then had a party. Hey, I found the coin. You know, this is joy. This is thanksgiving. Give thanks to God for the illness, the sickness you have to deal with. I gave, I have, you know, been giving thanks to God for years for my wife's paralysis and now her dementia. Because I have learned through that more compassion and more mercy than I ever would have earned otherwise. Say thanks to God when you get up in the morning. Say thanks to God when you go to bed. When somebody cuts you off in the traffic, you say thanks to God. When you can't find what you want in the supermarket, you say thanks to God. I'll get something else. Okay, so I'll use margarine instead of butter. Thanks to God has to be the central prayer of our life. Because we are meant to praise God. We are meant to praise God as much as birds are meant to sing. And yet we get tired and knocked about by the world. And we forget that we're not in this alone. Oh yeah, the idea of God exists up here in the back of our mind, maybe somewhere. But the fact that you would actually praise God for something going wrong, simply because he is in the midst of it, is alien to us. So reclaim that, recover it, give thanks to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.